Hey folks, I'm Pastor Eric Tritton from Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Hudson, Ohio, and this is A Weekly Word. Thanks for being with me, where we are talking about things you didn't learn in Sunday school about, and uh, depending upon what denomination you grew up in, you might feel like you know a lot about this person, or you might feel like you only know a little bit about this person uh, that you definitely learned about in Sunday school, and if you didn't learn about her in Sunday school, you certainly heard about her in church, and that's Mary, as in Mary, the mother of our Lord, uh, also known as the Virgin Mary. She is an important person in the story of salvation. She's central to the story. Um, she's, she's part of all four Gospels. She's also talked about in the book of Acts. And when we think about Mary and we think about the things that we know about her, we mostly know things that she did and not so much about her. So like we don't we don't know her personality, we don't know her motivations or anything like that. I think we can infer some things based upon her responses to situations and and the the way that uh she lived her life in her relationship with her son. But uh but there are some things that we just don't actually know. For instance, who were her parents? You know, there is a strong uh, tradition that says that her parents were named Joachim and Anne, uh, also known as Saint Anne. Um, but that information comes to us from the Gospel of James. Uh, and the Gospel of James was written somewhere around 150 AD. And there are some good reasons, if you read that over, uh, to be skeptical of this book. And so, you know, maybe her parents were... Joachim and Anne, we don't actually know. Uh, another thing, uh, how old was she when she gave birth to Jesus? We, we don't know. We do know about some of the marrying customs of the time. Uh, we know that in first century Palestine, uh, engagement and marriage were normal in the, the early teens. You know, anywhere kind of 13 to even 17 would probably be a little bit on the old side. Um, and so she's probably somewhere in that type of an age frame, but, but we don't know. The, the text doesn't tell us, nor do we know how old she was when she died or even where she died. Um, there are some church historians that tell us that she died in Ephesus and she was still in the care of John, the evangelist. You might remember that in the account of uh, Jesus' crucifixion, that Mary was there at the foot of the cross. She saw Jesus, her son, uh, die for the sins of the world. And uh, there was a point when Jesus was being crucified that he said to Mary, woman, behold your son. And he said to John, man, behold your mother. And from that point on, uh, that disciple, who we understand to be John, took her into his home and, and took care of her. So when we think about Mary, for Protestants and Lutherans, and I'm, I'm Lutheran, um, and, and Protestants and Lutherans are not quite the same thing, although we often get lumped together with the Protestants, and historically we kind of are the first Protestants, um, we have kind of an estranged relationship with Mary. Uh, not because we don't respect her or, or care about the, the role that she played in the scriptures and in the story of salvation, uh, 
but it's largely due to abuses and misuses of who Mary is and what she does for us that come to us out of the Roman Catholic Church. And I need to pause on that for just a second because I have family and I have dear friends who are Roman Catholic and understand I love you dearly, but I disagree with you. And I, I, I think that, you know, scripturally, this is, you know, uh, th these things that we're going to talk about a little bit here, um, they're, they're maybe not quite right. And, uh, um, and because of the way that Mary has been elevated to such a high level, um, even placed seemingly above Jesus, uh, we say uh, there's a problem here. And I think that uh, outside of the Catholic Church, there's been a overreaction against uh, talking about Mary and, and focusing on this incredible woman. So, um, the, the Roman Catholic Church does have at least an aspect that um, exercises what we would call a, a cult of Mary. And by cult, don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, I'm using dangerous words here. I'm sorry. Um, uh, cult, in, in its proper sense, uh, means worship. It means veneration. I, I don't mean like we joined a cult and went crazy. Um, it's this, this elevation and this, this incredible veneration of Mary. Um, and it, it, they're not right about that. I'm sorry. Um, so one of the teachings that comes from this cult of Mary is that she's a co-redemptrix, um, that she also uh, serves in the redemption of the world. Well, no, the redemption of the world is completely and totally through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and it's delivered to us by his promises through his word and his sacraments. Um, with that, uh, she's often referred to as a mediatrix, someone who mediates between us and God. Well, well no, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus, the God-man. Uh, the, the one who took our sins upon himself and he died in our place in, in order to save us and to redeem us. Um, there are four other teachings that I should probably mention about Mary. Uh, and depending upon where you're at, you might feel differently about these too. One of the names for Mary that comes to us out of the uh, Eastern Orthodox Church is uh, the word Theotokos. It translates as mother of God. And I think that properly understood, this is a good title for Mary. Um, because if we believe that Jesus is God in human flesh and she gave birth to Jesus, then she is the mother of God. Now, you might see already where there's a problem here, you know, because God is eternal. We're not saying that she is the mother of God, the Father, or the Holy Spirit. Um, but God was incarnate, became human, and she is the person that uh, he used to bring that life into this world. And so in that sense, she is Theotokos. She is the mother of God. Uh, another teaching about her is the perpetual virginity of Mary. And um, people disagree about this as well, and uh, in, including people within my own church body. And uh, some people will say that um, she gave birth to Jesus and she was a virgin for the rest of her life and she never had any other children. My understanding of the text would help me to think that uh, she did have other children. Uh, but others, when it reads about brothers and sisters, they understand that to be close relatives, maybe cousins. 
and uh, there is a strong tradition for this. But I also think that that tradition is heavily influenced by that Gospel of James that I mentioned before. So even though I understand there are some wonderful saints who went before us, including Martin Luther, who held the perpetual virginity of Mary, I don't. Um, I think that he had brothers and sisters and that, that Mary had other children after he was born. That just seems very natural to me. But you're welcome to disagree with me. Um, the Immaculate Conception. Now, when I speak of the Immaculate Conception, sometimes they're like, well, you're talking about the virgin birth. I believe in the virgin birth. But there is another teaching, again, from the Gospel of James that's held by the Roman Catholic Church that Mary herself was immaculately conceived, conceived without sin. And uh, I, I do not hold that belief. I, I do not think that that matches the scriptures. Mary was a woman of faith, and she was righteous in the sight of God because of faith and because of his uh, mercy and his forgiveness that's given to her, uh, but she was not born without sin. Um, along with that, there's a teaching of Mary being assumed into heaven when she, uh, well, she didn't die. She was brought up into heaven like um, Enoch or like Elijah, um, and I find that to be very doubtful as well. I don't see the evidence for that. It's certainly not in the scriptures. Uh, and so um, I, I don't hold that teaching either. But as I've said, Mary was an amazing woman of faith. I think about when Gabriel came to her and said, um, you know, hail, you know, full of grace. And, uh, um, you, you know, God has a special purpose for you. He has a special plan for you that you're going to conceive and give birth to the Savior of the world. And, and she's like, okay, I'm down with that. Well, actually, it sounded more like, you know, I'm the Lord's handmaiden. Let it be to me as you have said. Um, I, I look at those, those words and I, I see incredible courage, uh, incredible obedience. And I believe that that flowed from her faith and her trust in God's promises. And I think that she should serve as an example to us today, to all Christians, male and female. She's an example of obedience, as I mentioned just a moment ago. Uh, but notice that as these moments of salvation took place, especially early in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about her pondering these things in her heart. It's a form of meditation. And I think it's good for us to, to meditate upon God's word and his promises and the things that he has done and the things that he is doing in our lives. Mary also suffered for the sake of the gospel. You know, when she saw Simeon in the temple when Mary was, a, or when Jesus was a little baby, uh, he says, a sword will pierce your own soul too. And uh, I got to think that when she stood at the, uh, the foot of the cross, uh, that a sword did pierce her soul. Um, and uh, that that was an absolutely heartbreaking moment for her and incredibly painful. And she did suffer, you know, she suffered childbirth. She suffered alienation from her son because she didn't understand in his ministry. At one point, she and her, his brothers came to collect him because they thought he was out of his mind. You know, how hard and frustrating must that have been for her? Um, Mary was found at the cross. And that's an important thing for us too, to be found at the cross to be found where Jesus wins salvation for us. And Mary's found in church, too. And by that, I mean when we read the gospel, or when we read the book of Acts, 
we find her gathered with the other believers, with the apostles, in prayer, in worship. And so we too gather around the word in prayer and worship. Mary's a very important woman. Um, she bore Jesus into the world. And eternal honor uh, is, is hers for this very important work. She gave her, her body, she gave her life in order to bring salvation to us, uh, to be God's vessel to bring God's salvation to us. But even as I say that, once again, I see Mary as an example for us. Because we bear Jesus. That's what the name Christian means, little Christ, a bearer of Christ. And it is a privilege for each of us as well. And it's an important work too, to bear Jesus into the world. Yeah, she did it in a, in a very much more biological way than what we're talking about here. But we do well to follow her example and to bring Jesus forth into our lives to speak of him, to share the hope that we have because he has come into the world and brought us salvation. And we do well to follow Mary in this way too. Her example of where to place our trust, where to place our faith. We place our faith and trust in God particularly, especially in her son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So, hey, I hope you, you learned something about Mary today, and I hope that this has been a blessing for you. And if it is, like it and share it. If you're offended by it, sorry. Um, love you. Uh, God's blessings to all of you, and I hope that you will come back and, uh, and spend some time with me next week again. Peace. Peace.